let's prepare our hearts for worship this morning.
Good morning, and welcome to worship. Let's greet one another in saying whatever you want to say, but may God's peace be with you this morning as we gather for worship. Let's share.
we gather for worship, let us gather in Jesus' name and together confess our sins. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. You may be seated. God's word has instructed us that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And so on behalf of this promise, on behalf of God, as ordained pastor in his church, I therefore declare unto each one of you the full and gracious forgiveness of all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Together we say, Amen. Let us hear God's word. On the other hand, is that right? Technical glitches. Deuteronomy 30. Okay. See, I have set before you this day, life, and good death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you this day, by loving the Lord, your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his ordinances. Then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you this day that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land which you are going over Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. Loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and cleaving to him for that means life to you and length of days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Is there another? Psalm 119, verses 1 through 9. If you'll please read responsibly. Blessed are those whose way is, bla is blameless. Who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. Who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. 
Thou hast commanded thy precepts. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast. Then I shall not be put to shame. I will praise thee with an upright heart. I will observe thy statutes. How can a young man keep his way pure? Paul, I think it's maybe you and me. Arthur can come up. Yeah. Good. Wonderful. Today I'm going to talk about the commandments, but this little guy here probably is a little too young yet to understand. Pardon me? Never too early to learn.
The gospel is recorded in Matthew, the fifth chapter, beginning at verse 21. You have heard that it was said to the men of old, you shall not kill, and whoever kills shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother shall be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, shall be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Make friends quickly with your accuser, while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out till you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go to hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, and everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, makes her an adulteress, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again you have heard that it was said to the men of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, Do not swear at all, either by heaven, or it is the throne of God, or by the earth. For it is a footstool, for by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply Anything more than this is comes from evil. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Ubi is dwelling 
from the Old Testament text, just snatches from it. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments, the Lord your God will bless you. If we obey the commandments of the Lord, the Lord, your God, our God, will bless us. These are thy holy words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us in thy truth, for thy word is eternal truth. Amen. <clears throat> when in a few months... I'll be sitting where you are sitting. I said in my sermon last week that I will expect my pastors, either his or hers, in their sermons to unveil, to unwrap, and to apply the scriptures to the real world in which I live. Perhaps I didn't really fully realize what I was saying because for the time being I'm not sitting where you are sitting and by making that desire of my pastors up in Olympia assuming that maybe you want the same as I want my sermons for you had better not be pie-in-the-sky sermons, pie-in-the-sky orations, but rather messages dealing with the everyday real stuff of life. Simply put, I am thus saddled with this prophetic responsibility to unveil, to unwrap, and to apply the scriptures to what's going on in your life and in mine. Real stuff, not pie-in-the-sky stuff. So here goes. Buckle your seatbelts. The Bible speaks clearly as to the manner in which we are supposed to live. True or false? True. Let's try that once more. The Bible speaks clearly in the manner in which we are supposed to live. True or false? True. True. The answer is an emphatic what? True. Thus, Thus, every one of us is challenged to be prophetic. And to be a prophet means primarily not to foretell events that are going to happen, but to foretell, forth, F-O-R-T-H, to foretell what's happening here and now. In other words, telling it like it is. That's what Isaiah, Jeremiah Amos, all the Old Testament prophets did as they were speaking to their people, the Hebrew nation. Applying 
our Christian moorings, applying our Christian anchorage by word and deed, both vocal and by example, in our conversations, in our relationships, as we strive, what? To live in the manner in which, what? God desires us to live. You got to help me out. <laughs> you know, I once had an African black member in my church. And he says, how can you preach, pastor, if, if nobody's talking to you? And he says, when our, I didn't say this in the first sermon, first service, but he says, when our pastor is doing well, he, we all say to him while he's preaching, praise the Lord. And when he's not doing so well, we say, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Hey, you know, be quiet now. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Quoting from our text for today. Living how? How are we supposed to be living? By loving the Lord our God, by walking in His ways, and by keeping what? His commandments. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 16. Agree? Agree. In agreeing, we encounter risks that all prophetic messages, prophetic pastors encounter of not being listened to. You know, he's off someplace, I'm not. Of not being taken seriously, he shouldn't be talking about this stuff. Of being called a religious fanatic. Or, as Peter wrote once in his epistle, of being called fools for Christ. I've never been much of an Old Testament preacher. It's just not been my style, my way. I much prefer the New Testament message, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not but have Yeah. I sure like the New Testament. I like it a lot. I've never been much of an Old Testament preacher. But, but in these turbulent days, finding myself in a kettle of boiling water, I find myself leaning upon where I came from the roots of Christianity, which is the Old Testament, yeah. Two weeks ago, I was all in on, my, on Micah, if you were here. Remember, Micah? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk, what? Humbly before our Lord. I was all into Micah. Last week, I was all in on Isaiah. Last week, what did we talk about to provide bread? 
to provide shelter. And if one was naked, to clothe that person. Yeah, man, I was in the Old Testament two straight weeks. And then Monday this week came. And as I was looking at the texts appointed for this week, last Monday I said to myself, it looks like I'm going to be all in on Moses. The book of Deuteronomy. The substance of which we can summarize with these words right out of the book of Deuteronomy. I'm not making these words up. What does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord, to walk in his ways, to love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. That's Old Testament stuff right out of Deuteronomy. That's word for word. Old Testament law. Hear it again. What does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God? To walk in his ways, to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Old Testament stuff. Right word for word from Deuteronomy. You remember this story when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, what's the greatest commandment? Remember that story? Recorded in both Matthew and Mark. The answer Jesus gave them was, what? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. He added the mind part of it. He got the first part from Deuteronomy, but then he added, because he was speaking to the Pharisees who were into their heads, he added, and with also your head, your mind. But then he didn't just stop there. He added one more thing as to the greatest commandment. What was that? And a second commandment is that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Where'd Jesus get that? Did all of a sudden on the spur of the moment just, I'm going to add that? Where'd he get it? Oh, no, Jesus knew. He was a student of the Old Testament. This time, not Deuteronomy, this time, the 19th chapter of Leviticus, another law book of the Hebrew nation. You shall not, I'm quoting word for word, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason with your neighbor, lest you bear sin against him. You shall not take vengeance or bear any grudge, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Huh crazy. I've never been much of an Old Testament preacher, but where do you go in search of decency these days? Where do you go in search of civility these days when you're in a kettle of boiling water? 
Where do you go in search of human kindness? In the real world in which we live today, with the heat rising in the kettle of boiling water in which we're sitting. Do we excuse indecency? Do we excuse the lack of civility? Just turn our backs on it? Do we excuse the lack of kindness towards one another in this real world in which we live? Not holding anyone accountable, but saying that Peter's statement in his epistle covers it all. Quoting Peter, love covers a multitude of sins. Defamation of character? Do we just excuse it and say nothing about it as we sit in hot water? Let me read you a portion of a letter which I sent to a good friend. She's a good friend, you know. I was their pastor in Anchorage and then found him retired in Olympia and we were reunited and wonderful times and her husband just passed away a year ago. I wrote her a letter last week. I said, please remove my wife's name from your Facebook. It upsets her as it also upsets me to receive vile and nasty messages, nasty accusations about people, elected leaders in our country. Furthermore, I wrote for your edification, I suggest that you get out, you've been a Lutheran your whole life, I suggest that you get out your Luther's small catechism. This is mine. My mother sewed a special pocket in my baseball uniform through high school and college. I had a special place in my basketball shorts for my catechism. This is mine. I suggested to her that she should get out hers and read the Eighth Commandment and pay close attention to what Martin Luther says about it when he asks the question, what does this commandment mean? To refresh our memories, it's been a while since you've been through catechism, I'm sure. What is the Eighth Commandment? What? You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Which Martin Luther then goes on to explain. We are to fear, that's not be afraid of, we are to respect and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor. 
It's written in 1500s that we should neither betray nor slander our neighbor or destroy their reputation. Instead, we should come to their defense, speak well of them, and interpret everything that they do as best as we can in their best possible light. Are we Lutheran Christians? Is this what portrays what, whom we are and what we believe? In Luther's large catechism, the big one and the little one, both of which I hold dear, Luther asks a summary question in the big one. What does God command in this Eighth Commandment? His answer, we should always be truthful. Uh We should always be truthful. Excusing and speaking well of our neighbor, putting the best construction on all that our neighbor does. Am I a Lutheran Christian? Is this what I'm about? Does this give a good picture of who I am? Is this what I believe? So why? So why, all of a sudden, just in the last three weeks, my emphasis has turned not from or from the New Testament has turned towards the old. Why? Why? I'm just growing weary. I'm just getting fed up. I'm just getting tired of what seems to be the birth of a new norm in our country, which I'm struggling with. Based upon our anchorage in both the Old and New Testaments, we are not given license to call anybody anything we jolly well please, which is going on in our nation today. With no repercussions, nobody is protesting it. As prophets, It's time for us to speak up. As prophets, we cannot silently stand by not daring to raise our voices. I'm going to mention a name. I don't usually do that. I'm going to mention a name this morning, someone who's taking a prophetic risk from this pulpit. I'm going to name this person because I can no longer hold my tongue. I do not understand how he can believe what he believes, knowing what the Mormon church teaches and how many of its tenets conflict with what I believe as a Christian. But that's not the point. That's not the point. That doesn't matter what he believes. That's not the issue. 
in what I am about to say. No one, in my opinion, no one, absolutely no one, can rightfully and honestly discredit his values, his civility, his public practice of what he believes. I may not understand or believe what he believes, but that's not the point. That's not the issue. Mitt Romney may well be hammered by many, as he is, but not by this guy. Not by me. Like him or dislike him, that's not the point. That's not the issue. Romney has demonstrated that he is a man of conviction, not willing to be counted among those who say with their heart one thing but are afraid to say it with their head. They speak, but they vote with their head, seeking to be re-elected. There's no other way to put it. My friend of many years, I was her pastor, has bought into this new norm. And from her supposed Lutheran convictions, has through Facebook spread hatred. And I'm just plain sick of it. If you don't agree with someone, spit on them. If you don't agree with somebody, spit on them. That's becoming the new norm. Accepted and not protested. I was taught, and I believe, that if I don't agree with someone, listen to them. Sit down and talk with them. Listen to them. Try to understand where they're coming from. You may learn something. And if necessary, agree to disagree. If you don't agree with someone, one is not given license, as Luther says, that you can lie about them, that you can degrade them, that you can betray, that you can backbite, that you can slander, that you can even seek to destroy their reputation of years and years of service. Some people live by the law. That by their reason and by their strength, by their might, they can work things out with the Creator and everything is hunky-dory and just fine and go on with life. Let live and be happy. That's a formula many choose to live by. It's not the formula that I live by. Not the formula that I recommend that you live by. I do not live by my reason and my strength. That's not Martin Luther's understanding of the scriptures. That's works righteousness. I can work it out with God by my strength. No, Luther put that to death when he discovered in Ephesians, the second chapter, the eighth verse, for by grace we are saved through faith. And this is not your work, but it is a gift of God. I live by grace. 
That Jesus has done for me what I cannot do. Again, using Luther's words, and I am so glad that my confirmation pastor made me memorize the entire contents of this book, 132 pages. I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, and sanctifies and and, and sanctifies me in the one true faith, even as he calls and gathers and sanctifies the entire church on earth. His definition to the second article of the creed. Jesus' death on the cross covers all the goof-ups that I do. I've disappointed my creator over and over and over again. I have not lived always in the manner in which God has prescribed for me to live in the Old Testament. Oh, I, haven't been, I haven't been a great sinner, but I've been a big sinner. And God covers my sin through Jesus Christ who died on the cross to save me. I live by grace. And now, because I'm under grace, the law becomes even a more important part of my life. Now I don't have to keep the law. I get to keep the law. I don't have to worry about appeasing God by doing this and that and all these other things because that's all taken care of. Now I get to honor God by striving in every way I'm able to to keep these wonderful Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Finally, we come to the Eighth Commandment, which is what? Thou shalt not bear false witness. In Luther's words, we are to fear and love God so that we do not tell lies, so that we do not betray one another, so that we do not slander one another, backbite one another, seek to destroy who they are, but love them and honor them. Sit down with them, talk with them, and if necessary, agree to disagree. So where do we go? So where do we go? Where do we go from where we are today to tomorrow? I have no answer. I have no answer. But believe me, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid for our nation and its democracy that stood all these years. And about the only thing I can do is pray. Not a big, long, sophisticated prayer, but a three-word prayer. God help us. God help us. From the closing words of last Sunday's text,
then, then shall your light break forth like dawn. And you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. For whatever tomorrow brings, I have no answer. I am a little bit afraid. But I'll keep praying this simple prayer. God help us. God help us. And I'll keep crying and God will say to me and hopefully to you, here I am. Tomorrow, I don't know what it's going to be like. But I know one thing that it is going to be like. God will not desert me because when I call upon him in my tears, he will say, here I am. Here I am. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love our nation. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies. We love our government, our democracy. Help us. Help us hold dear to it. God help us, I pray. Amen. Let's stand.
seated. I don't know which, which point in the service I should share this, but uh, someone confiscated my sermon after the first service. It leaves me to wonder whether they liked it or didn't want me to preach it a second time. <laughs> but it was nowhere to be found, and I checked everybody that might have had something to do with it. So, uh, uh, you didn't. <laughs> and secondly, they also got away with the wonderful prayers which I had written for today, recalling stuff in the sermon, recalling Ken and Opal's trip to Mexico with clothing for the orphanage, which they're going to be visiting, also praying for those who, for whatever medical reasons, are having difficulty, or for anyone having difficulty for any reason whatsoever. I covered a lot of bases in that prayer, some of which I've shared with you, and now you can go home today and you can continue to pray that prayer, those prayers in your own words, because I don't have it here to pray in f with you. So let us continue our worship. Um, by the way, this is only the second time that a sermon's been confiscated. I happened to me on Christmas Eve once in one of my parishes, as somebody got away with my manuscript and I was at a loss what I'm going to do at the next service, but I got through it. That was before computers. All I had to do this time is go in and print another copy. So, <laughs> let us continue our worship by receiving our morning offering.
On the night in which our Lord was betrayed, he took bread and he took wine. And he said to his beloved friends, his 12 disciples, this is my body and this is my blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. Take and eat and take and drink and do this often in remembrance of me, remembering that I love you, that I care for you, not realizing then what was about to happen, that in a few moments he would be leaving that table and one of his own would betray him and one of his own would say, I do not know him. And then he was led to a solitary hill carrying a cross to suffer and to die that we might be given eternal life. So take eat, take drink. This is the presence of our Lord. His invitation to you and me is to come and receive me in this bread and in this wine. Cause our faith to write, cause our eyes 
just grasp the height of your plans for us. Truths unchanged since the dawn of time that will echo down through eternity. And by grace we'll stand on your promises. And by faith we'll walk as you walk with us. Speak, O Lord, till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory. And by grace we'll stand on your promises. And by faith we'll walk as you walk with us. Speak, O Lord, till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory. Announcements. Uh, on behalf of Ken and Hope um, and all those that contributed, we just want to thank everyone who, with a week's notice, has really filled the suitcases. Two suitcases. We'll see if they can take both. If not, they'll be going 
down there eventually. Uh, really a wonderful outpouring of meeting the needs of people with short amount of notice and the compassion from this congregation. We really appreciate One of the things I didn't get to share during prayer time, I'd like you to all pray for my brother and sister-in-law who have just retired and are leaving tonight for three to four months um, to go to Taiwan and be missionaries in Taiwan. Uh, even under the health restrictions, they're going. So please keep them in your prayers. Um, so just wanted to point out that there'll be a Shrove Tuesday pancake supper a week from Tuesday. Chefs Pastor Al and Mary Ann will be flipping the pancakes, start about 5.30, so come, and then the next day is Ash Wednesday, so that'll <coughs> kick off the Lenten season. And um, at the end of the Lent, we're going to have our community-wide Easter egg hunt that we had our first one last year on April 4th, and so I need volunteers, so I have a sign-up sheet back there if you'd like to help um, with the community-wide Easter egg hunt, that'd be great. I think we had a a little over 75 children last thing, so I need about 12 to 15 volunteers, which is a lot of you. So that will be fun. See you then. <laughs> Any other announcements? I suggest that you uh, come to the uh, Strove uh, Tuesday pancake dinner. Further suggest that you be really nice to me because if you're not, I know how to burn pancakes. <laughs> Corinne. I think you came for the soup, that's what I heard. Thank you for your leadership, Corinne. Not just yesterday, but for all these years in the past. Okay? Closing hymn. Let's stand.